This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by recent Trine alumnus and new coach of the Adrian College eSports team, Ethan Hill. Ethan just wrapped up his college eSports career as a Call of Duty player, and in this episode, he discusses his transition from player to coach. He also shares his perspective on the rise of college eSports, the difficulties in governing the different games, and how students can begin a career in the industry. I hope you enjoy the show. So joining us today on the Center for Sports Studies podcast, one of my former students, which always makes this really exciting, and a recent Trine Sport Management grad, and now head coach of the Adrian eSports team, Ethan Hill. Ethan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, always excited to have one of our you know, distinguished alumni here. You are an eSport athlete here at Trine. And not only that, but you're also on the National Collegiate Sports Sales team, which did uh, very, very well this past year. So uh, remarkable to see just the the things that our alumni do. And, you know, going into an, uh, a spot there at Adrian where I know they're growing their eSports program. So how did this position come about to where you are now the new head coach? One of my friends who's actually the head track coach, uh, Ty Hoover, who is class of 22 at Trine University, he just sent me a link one day. It's like, hey, I know you're still looking for a job. Are you, um, have you ever thought about getting back into esports? Shoot, why not? Um, you know, I, I spent three years um, when, I, uh, when I was looking for a school to transfer to back in uh, 2020. Um, one of the big selling points for trying for me personally was was its esports program and it was it was kind of a, a match made in heaven you know being able to be a part of a competitive environment and also combining my my love for, for video games it was it was awesome but he, he sent me the link and i i wasn't entirely sure if if this was necessarily the route that I that I wanted to go down, in all honesty. But I figure, you know, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So I pulled out every every trick, every piece of information that I've uh, been able to retain over my my time with Trine, and you know, put forth the, the best presentation, best plan, and you know, here I am. Spoken like a true KSB student there, and I wouldn't say it's t- it's it's tricks. It's it's preparation, like you said, and and that's a big thing for students to hear on this. You know, whether you're going into an interview for a, an internship, for a job, full time, part time, whatever it would be, you know, employers want to know that you know something about them. And obviously, you did a really nice job of that and impressing Adrian with your knowledge. But I mean, like you said, you've got a background in esports, having um, done esports here at Trine. So, how do you think your background has prepared you now to go into to coaching? I, I think the biggest thing is knowing what I wanted to do for Trine's program and wasn't in the position to do. So now I kind of have that. Being, I, I was a captain for three years, so I was, I was in, I was in all of the all of the meetings. I, I know how. You know, most teams are supposed to run. I can't say that I can coach every single team, um, but this is, I think my position is is less about coaching and more about managing and supporting 
each team in the best it, based off of what their needs are, whether it's finding a coach or finding them opportunities to to travel and, and really add value to their to their time here. My expertise is called is in Call of Duty, so that will be the team that when we when we kind of you know start practicing, that will be the team that I that I associate closest with. But like I I told the um, the athletic committee during my interview, my my options are I either find a either find a coach or I you know spend all of my free time studying studying these games and you know learning all the strategies that I, that I possibly can and, you know, figure out how I can, how I can best coach and, and support and provide that extra, that extra eye. We bring up something interesting that, excuse me, I don't know a lot of, if a lot of people understand, you know, esports. it's not just one game, right? There's different games and and in different categories that you're playing. So kind of break that down for us. You know, you said call of duty is your expertise, but there's other there's other types of tournaments and opportunities for these students to get involved in. So what does that look like? If, if somebody who has no idea about esports hears, yeah, I've got an esports tournament this weekend. What does that look like to the layperson? So it, it's, it's a little tricky because each game there, there is, there's not a centralized rule system or, or any centralized guidelines. Each league kind of operates a little, a little differently kind of breaking that question to into parts um so the the titles that we that adrian offers is csgo overwatch league of legends call of duty apex legends valorant 2k madden uh, rainbow six siege okay there are um, others out there but those are the most popular titles that that have collegiate leagues and collegiate tournaments and have shown the, the the most amount of growth as far as tournaments go it does kind of vary by game i can speak personally uh from from call of duty so the the league that we played in was the ccl the collegiate call of duty league started i believe back in 2017 and they run a national. They, they run a, a national league. So, so you could be playing someone that is across the country in California or in Canada. But the where where people start to have have issues is um, because there is such a wide variety of of school. I think this past year they had two hundred fifty teams. Wow! Across across the entire across the entire league and those are from d1 to d3 to actually to to community colleges what some teams have figured out is that you can essentially pick up pro players because there's no there's no rule system against you know if you've if you've ever touched the pro scene Mm -hmm. you're you're still allowed to come back to college because there's it's not sanctioned by the ncaa so there so most of the um the the dominant schools in in uh, collegiate call of duty are d2 and nia because they bought in right away and started offering um full ride scholarships to 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 former pros to uh to high challenger players you know really flying kids across the country overnight and and building these these super teams out of nowhere so so let me interject because the, the ncaa doesn't look over this you know, there's, yeah. it doesn't sound like there's like a standardized rule. So theoretically, could you still be a pro player 
but I'm enrolled in, you know, D2, NAIA college, whatever it is, and still participate for that school? Or are yes. there rules against that? Uh, no, there are, there are no rules. Um, there are two specific occurrences that I can add. So there was a player, I don't know his last name, so we'll go by, we'll just go by gamer tags. Um, his name was uh, Dan Ghosty, or Ghosty was his tag in game. He played for Illinois, but he was also picked up by the Boston Breach Academy team, which is a pro Call of Duty team. So he was on their, he was on their, um, their amateur team. They're all on salary. They they fly him to every to every single event. I believe there's eight every year. So while he's while he's playing for the, for the breach, he was also playing for the CCL. But he but the difference is it he was allowed to play, but he just chose not to because he or like he he played when he wanted to or when he had time. Okay. Because um, when you're at that high of a level, it's like. Uh, an NFL wide receiver playing with a JV team or playing with, with a JV high school team. So the games, you're, you're, well, you're not gaining that much from it. Wow. So the games themselves, it sounds like the individual games are kind of have their own governance. Would that be fair to say? I think almost every single title has at least four to five collegiate leagues. And oh, wow. each have their each there there's overlapping rules and and similarities, but each of them have their own governing bodies, their their own board of directors, blah blah blah. So how do you decide which league that you would want to get involved in? Like if you know you're you're a college president or athletic director listening to this, and you know nothing about esports, and you hear, oh my gosh, there's all these options. There's like four options for Call of Duty. Um, is there kind of a tiered system like, hey, this one is kind of the standard bearer or does cost play into it, travel play into it? How does that work? Um, I mean, really all of the above. You definitely have to weigh the options and see what's going to be best for your program. Um, there are some leagues that do have buy-ins. Um, some are upwards as a $2,000 yearly membership, but that that will typically give you access to... There, there are some leagues that have um that have membership fees but it gives you access to like five titles okay um but there so there there's cost um travel hasn't necessarily picked up yet that is a relatively new thing the, the biggest thing was, was really just exposure and um kind of the, the prize at the end because most leagues do have some sort of a financial reward um okay. for for winning um for winning the whole thing so i want to go back to the you were talking about being a pro and, you know, I know you've played at, at the collegiate level. I, I don't, I don't think you've played in any pro tournaments, at least not that I know of. Right. Okay. No, I was, I was never that good. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, how do you get the, or maybe not how you get that good, but let's say once you get to that pro level, like, what does that look like? I mean, what, what do you, what does the practice look like in the training? How many hours a day? I mean, how do you get, because I know you're, you're a good call of duty player. But to make that next level, what's that look like? The, the most that I ever played in a day, and it's it's kind of making me sick think about or thinking about it. I think the short the the short days were the days that I spent four hours in the lab. Okay. There were some weekends where I'd wake up around nine or ten, have lunch, and then I'd be in the lab until one, and I wouldn't leave until two a.m. 
Yeah, we're saying like one in the morning, not just like like twelve to one p.m. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, that it was kind of it, kind of the same for for any sport. I mean, it's it's something that takes an incredible amount of repetition and practice mm-hmm. because it, it is precision. That is, it's not just you know knowing the strategy; it's being able to execute with an insane amount of precision. There are players that are so are are truly so mechanically talented that they look like they're cheating. Wow. There was a player at Trine. Um his name was Jarrett Zollinger. He ended up transferring because he got offered a scholarship to Cumberland University. When we would play, would we you know we'd we break up the teams and we'd scream each other. There'd be times where I think that he knew where I was before I knew where I was. <laughs> it was absolutely unreal. I think to to kind of get back to your question, the, the practice it is every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is a very it is a it's a very rigorous practice schedule, and um, I think some people kind of get lost in the fact that you're just sitting down and looking at a screen. But it is it is a lot. It is it's a lot of stimulation. It's I can speak for myself. My my hands hurt all the time. I don't know if that's a genetic thing, but I don't think I helped it. It looks different than than your average sport. Uh, I think your 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 average pro is probably putting in six to eight hours a day. It kind of goes back to a few years ago. I took some students to Indianapolis for a career fair with the Pacers, and we got to visit with their 2K team. And it was really unbelievable. I mean, the size of the room that they had, and you have five guys um, – you know, manipulating their own individual player on the court. So I know, you know, we could talk about Call of Duty and other things like that, but for NBA 2K, I mean, you actually had to know something about basketball, about spacing and where to go. Um, And then they were playing a team out of Detroit. So you got that aspect of it, but the room was huge. It was set up for them. Um, They're in there, they're practicing, like you said, you know, eight hours a day or something together, but they also have access to the Pacers training facilities physical therapist, um, you know, mental health, nutrition, all that stuff. I think they they train and, and had a season like six months out of the year, um, and they got paid somewhere around $30,000 a year um, with full health benefits. Now, that's not a ton of money, but I'm assuming, you know, if you're a pro, you've got other opportunities that go along with that. Um, and I know, you know, I think you have to be a 99 rating for 2K to get drafted. And there's a whole process there. Um, so I was just amazed at the different careers available in esports. So maybe talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously, you could be a professional and you could play and, and actually, you know, be the the guy, the person in the game. But what other careers are out there if you had a, just kind of your your generic sport management student or like, you know, I want to work in esport. I'm not good enough to be a professional. What else could I do? Great question. So I mean, first you have your you have your coach, you have your coaches, you have uh, your directors. There is something that we call um, VOD review or b- basically that person is just helps out with with making sure that each uh, each person's uh, POV is recorded and then they go over, they'll they'll clip stuff out. They know they like they really know the game, and um, they they know what to look for and like oh that is something that we need to we need to work on. So like a so film they, coordinator in basketball or something. Wow. Okay. It, exactly. Yeah. I mean the I, I can I can list a few more, but that's that's something that's you know really important. You know something that I've I really want to kind of convey is that though 
esports is it looks like it's it's kind of in its own thing it is truly just like any other sport the opportunities are are we we need commentators we need broadcasters um we have content creators people that that are good with working um and, and connecting with brands and sponsorships mm-hmm. it's just like it, it would just like be um if you were a part of uh, a professional basketball program well it's, when you see these it, big tournaments in the, in these huge arenas i mean like to your point you know you need somebody to sell those tickets and advertise those media rights and to commentate so you know i think there's paths there for sport management students to get involved even if you're not good enough to play play pro i think that it's still where where esports stands it's still niche enough that a lot of a lot of those positions either get filled for free just because people are willing to put forth that um, that product to gain experience mm-hmm. and to to gain that recognition. Um, I mean, there's a lot of casters that they do a lot of uh, freelance work or, or relatively cheap work just because it's it's they just keep on put, getting their name out there. Well, when you say casters, are these the people who are putting out the um, the video like on Twitch and things like that? No, they're or- uh, like. Um, uh, play by play, play by play. Okay, yeah. Okay, so how how would you get involved? Let Let's go with that because I know commentary is a big part. Because I think, and please push back on me if I'm wrong about this, but I think part of the popularity in esports has been the fact that you can put yourself out there again, whether it be on Twitch or social media or whatever, and show clips of yourself playing and just how you've progressed or or how good you are. You know, if you wanted to get into that to that digital content commentary casting whatever it would be um how would you do it do you need special education or skills or is it just kind of experience no it's if you want to get into it you just you start doing it there okay that that's my advice and that's been the advice for for the past 15 years if you there is no right or wrong way to do it of course there's there's going to be classes you can you can go to school you can get certifications you can watch youtube videos on you know the the best routes to take for you know becoming a twitch streamer or at the end of the day it is finding something that you're passionate about and doing it every single day getting better and better and better until someone is willing to pay for it oh that's great advice i mean just like anything else in life so yeah. um so I, I know you just started as a coach there at Adrian. You know, I don't know if people realize just how big esports has gotten on the college scene. Like you said, you can now get a full scholarship to go and participate in esports. And again, it's not sanctioned by the NCAA. So there may be more money. You know, you could go to a D2 or D3 and get a scholarship for esports, a full scholarship, because it's not under that NCAA umbrella. So as a coach, how do you recruit to the esport team? Like I know when I coach basketball, you know, every Friday night I'm at a high school basketball game and I can see it right in front of me. Like, how does it work for esports? Are, are there tournaments that you know of that you're watching? Are kids sending you things? How does that work? Awesome question. So there's you know so many various ways. So uh, first, there are there are high school leagues um, that so. Um, over the next few months, I will be um, reach or I've already actually already reached out to a few high school leagues. Um, but you know, going around the and finding high schools in Michigan, in Ohio, and in Indiana, and you know, finding kids that are interested in a in a career in in collegiate esports, and you know, coming to school, 
and, and being a being a student athlete. So f- looking, so uh, in person high schools, uh, you know, going and and recruiting there. Um, then there are also websites, the NFCA. I don't know, I don't know what all the or who are all the schools and divisions that have access to that, but that is what that is one of the methods that Adrian uses for its recruitment um, for all sports and they've recently added esports so people are adding um like their their valorant profiles their overwatch profiles and it's really neat because i can just add them to a list and then you know send them an email if they if they have their phone number it's been known that that texting typically has a better yield than than sending sending an email d3 currently has a a, a big disadvantage because most schools are still even though that it's not sanctioned by the ncaa um it's still most schools are like adrian are are really trying to you know play it safe with following the following those ncaa division three rules okay. um in the because <clears throat> let's say if i was if i was offering if i was offering someone a 50 percent scholarship to come play come play esports and to say they play for a year or two and then the NCAA sanctions it. How do you think they or their parents are going to feel when they say, "Hey, sorry, you're we can't offer you a scholarship. We appreciate everything you've done. We hope you keep on playing, but you have to pay that. You have to pay that full price now." It's or a great point. That it just it makes it super sticky. And there are there are other ways that we can um, we are able to provide value through experience through through travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure our equipment is is tip top. Um, you know, just you just keep on investing in the program. Something, or and then another thing that I'm going to be working on is trying to bring in sponsors so that we can. I still have to kind of you know, really make sure I know my um, my D three rule or my NCAA rules, but um, trying to see if we can find brands that won't just sponsor the program, but Maybe we'll sponsor a specific team, a specific okay. roster, so we can have kind of an NIL deal uh, of sorts set up. So it's a Steel Series makes uh, keyboards or and, and peripherals, so we can have Steel Series sponsored athletes. But you know that that is something that I um, I'm trying to work out with admissions and you know see if it's even legal, and then moving forward with <laughs> with reaching out to sponsors. Well, you touched on something. I think we're probably close to an, an arms race in esport here in uh, in college. Like, you know, if a college wants to invest in this, and we're just saying generic college, I'm not saying Trine or Adrian or anything like that. Like, what is it that they need? Because I know here at Trine, we've got a great esports room, but you know, here here after like three or four years, I think we've already outgrown it, and now we're looking at you know possibly you know their scuttlebutt. Maybe we need an arena, or you know maybe we need to add on whatever it would be, just because of the popularity of the program. So you know, your college, you want to get into esports, you go into the board meeting and you say, hey, this is what you need if you want to have a, a good competitive program that kids want to come to. I think for for starters, it would it's it's just computers. Uh, I had a okay. I had a meeting with um, a company called Game Arena, um, who hosts tournaments and also hosts the GLEC um, conference that uh, Trine, Albion, and hopefully Adrian will be a part of soon. What they were talking about was was how to um, how they've helped build 
programs uh, essentially from nothing. There were schools that reached out and say, hey, we want a program, but we don't know what we're doing. Um, and, you know, starting starting at, at the bare minimum with, with a lab, you want to make sure that whatever you're investing in, you're not going to have to, you know, then spend even more money trying to either buy yourself out of a contract or mm. upgrading upgrading your computers. You, you don't want to buy a car with 200,000 miles and then have to turn around and spend, you know, how much on fixing a transmission or, or you know, however much it would take to repair it because it's just not up to date. It did its job. It will it'll do its job for a period of time. But what's the quality of that of that experience? There's so there there's computers, there's quality of, of your peripherals, so your your mouse, your keyboard, your headset. H- having a lab is is an excellent start. I think okay. something that kind of what 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 elevates it is giving people the opportunity to view in person. You know, having what Trine's currently working on with with building an arena. Some people would say, Well, what is this for? Who even watches esports? A lot of people and being able to be there in person, see the passion that you can't see on or that you can't see on screen. That's an extra element that kind of legitimizes the viewing experience and the the sport itself. Well, and it's something I think it's hard for maybe people of my generation, kind of being in Generation X, to maybe kind of understand and, and beyond, right, and, and older, to kind of understand, like, well, why would anybody want to come and watch video games? Well, I mean, when you start to look at the viewership habits here in the United States, um, I saw one report where esports is the second most watched sport um, in the United States. And and I don't think it, it does us any good to get hung up on, well, is esports a sport or not? I, I don't think it matters. There's a ton of people watching it. It's bringing in billions of dollars worldwide. Um, if you're not getting on this train, it's going to leave you behind. And, you know, for colleges, we're seeing decreased enrollment over the past decade. You know, this is a great way to get students engaged. And it's something I would say probably a majority of high schoolers or or middle schools, schoolers are involved in. You know, maybe they don't ever want to play pro or they can't get to that level. But shoot, to play esports for four years in college, get a little bit of money. Why not? And if all we need are just some computers and, um, you know, we kind of grow it from there and get better headsets and better shares and make it nicer, um, it seems like, a you know, a minimal investment to, you know, to get in and retain students, mm-hmm. at least in my point of view. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you had any advice as we wrap up here, if you have any advice for students who want to break into esports, um, and I know there's a lot of areas to break into esports, like what are some of the things that they need to be doing now? You know, if one of our students here at Trine is listening, you know, what would you go back and, and recommend that they need to do to hopefully get to a level like you where where they're coaching? Get involved in in any way you can. If you're not interested in playing, you know, reach out. Uh, Director Malone is is an awesome person to work with. You know he's and he's always looking for help. And um, you know, I I know that it's a great it's a great program to get started with. There there's really no advice besides just if you if you want it, go for it. I I don't I don't think there's there's anything you know crazier than that. It's just make sure that you know you know your stuff. That, that that's really it. You know. Take care of take care of your, your responsibilities outside. I know I didn't, um, but you know, make sure that uh, make sure that you're you're kind of taking care of the whole picture and give options for yourself. 
you did what you needed to do. Uh, I did what I needed to do. (laughs) And here you are now. Now you're, you're, you're crazy successful. Well, Ethan, if anybody wanted to find out more about you and and the Adrian esports program, and and I'll put a plug in for the trying esports program. Um, Is there somewhere where they could go, where they could find out whether on social media or, or anywhere else? Would just be uh, Adrian's athletic page. Uh, They they have, they have esports on there. Um, You know, my, my email or email phone number i think my phone number is on there as well that's i'll tell you if you want to get in touch that's that's where i am perfect so the adrian college bulldogs and i think if you probably go to our athletics website here at trying you can find information on trying too so tons of opportunities out there to get involved in esports and uh as a uh and as distinguished ksb alum we appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, all the best to you this season thank you Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our next episode on September 15th as we welcome the Facility Operations Coordinator from the Indiana Pacers, Aaron Magnuson. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to our producer, Josh Hornbacher, for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.